Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness, and opportunity in VFX, animation, and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation, and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hi, Simon here. In this trilogy of episodes, we come live from Escape Studios, VFX Festival EDU, in their High Hoban office, London, where I had the chance to speak to a range of industry professionals in attendance to get some decent careers advice. So it's day one at the festival, and I had the pleasure of speaking to ILM animation supervisor, Jance Rubinchik, fresh from his talk on bringing dinosaurs to life in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I then bumped into Access VFX champ and VFX course lead at Norwich University of the Arts, St. John Walker, followed by 3D artist at The Mill, Kieran Jordan. Here's how I got on. Cool, okay. Well, I'm here with uh, Jantz Rubinchek from ILM, who's just done a pretty thought-provoking, no, very thought-provoking session on uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And uh, despite all the kind of tech not working, it was still pretty inspiring. And uh, we're here at the VFX Festival trying to get careers advice during the, um, the speed networking element of what we're doing as part of Access VFX. And I thought I'd grab Chance before he left for the day just to get a bit of careers advice for our listeners, really. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I was really taken by in your talk was the importance of real-life reference and research before you even set foot in a studio and start working on the box and creating kind of the magic that we all, we're all used to working in all the various studios that we're, we're part of. But um, I kind of wanted to start with a very open question about perhaps advice you would give anybody considering a a career in our amazing industry. The most important thing I would say would be just observation. Like it's all about observation. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're a painter or you're, you know, a builder or you're an animator or a lighter or an effects artist. It's understanding at a fundamental level what it is that you're trying to replicate. And that's all we're doing is we're just replicating real life. Even if we're making dinosaurs or, you know, dragons or whatever, it, you know, it might be that we're trying to invent. There is something from real life that you can draw from to sort of match that, whether it be like iguanas or dolphins or, you know, tigers or anything. There's different things that you can sort of mix and match and pull from and draw from. It's really sort of observing and understanding what you're observing, sort of internalizing that and understanding what's going on under the surface, understanding that there are things understanding this, uh, there are things moving under the surface and, and you don't need to be a scientist. You don't have to know what every muscle is called in the Latin name for every muscle. But if you have at least some understanding of what that is and you're keeping that in mind while you're drawing or while you're animating or while you're sculpting or you know 3d sculpting in the computer you know 3d modeling mm. you have that understanding you're going to have something that feels honest and real yeah that's what's quite refreshing about hearing that is we go to a lot of talks with access vfx and we talk a lot about the the tech you need to learn you need to hone your craft technically and mm-hmm. all the different softwares that are available but there's something really refreshing about just honing that understanding of movement yeah exactly and form and you said in your uh, talk early, like, you know, go to the zoo and just watch animals and creatures interact. And- yeah, anywhere you go, like if you're on the tube or you're on walking to work or you're riding your bike, like you're just watching, watching people move, birds, animals. I'm constantly just being distracted by something and the way something is moving. I'll see someone walking in an interesting way. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to put that in the, you know, in the file in the back of my mind for, you know, at one point when I need to use that. Yeah. 
and and it all sort of helps it all really builds that that internal library in your head so when you get something that you have to animate like I'm asked to animate things all the time that I've never animated before but then you just go through this like this all this experience all this observation that you've had and you sort of pick out what what pertains to what you're doing and you sort of feel like you know how to animate it without ever having done it before so it's you know anyone can learn the software anyone can sit down and take the courses and learn you know i need to press this button to do this i need to press that button to do that but it's the art of it so the computer the programs aren't going to do it for you yeah. you know they they'll do some things for you and they do make our lives easier and sometimes more difficult mm-hmm. um and sometimes i feel like you're fighting with the software when you're trying to do something creative but you know you can learn how to work your way through that stuff but you need to learn the craft of it you need to learn the art of it and that's i think that's the most important bit of advice that i think i can impart yeah i mean that's, that's really rich advice for sure i mean um, if nobody lives near a zoo um, or can get to a zoo quickly i mean what other kind of advice would you give to kind of really get an understanding of movements and form is it literally just watching people on the tube or you know watching birds flying out the window i mean what 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 advice would you you give this a bit deeper than that it's uh it's that and it's youtube it's the internet the internet is an invaluable resource for this stuff i mean back in the day when Walt Disney and his animators were animating things, they would bring in dancers and they would bring in animals and the artists would sit and watch them and draw them. And they had, like, that was a luxury that they had to be able to do that. Not everyone has the option to do that. There are loads of figure drawing classes around and I I would suggest going, even if you don't draw and you want to get into this industry, taking those figure drawing classes, watching people, like, standing on stage and understanding understanding what their bodies are doing and trying to draw it and trying to draw it helps to internalize it it helps you to sort of locks that in there and you sort of understand what's structurally going on in the body and so you don't have to be like you don't have to be the best like yeah exactly um but it but it's really helpful and it's something i encourage all of my animators to do is to take drawing classes and learn and observe and that's all that's what it all boils down to is just that observation and 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 getting that stuff and like i said youtube is a invaluable resource for that go online and we search for reference clips all the time yeah. we'll search for reference clips we'll download them and we'll spit out a bunch of frames we'll load that up as a picture and picture in maya while we're animating nice. and that'll be up on the screen like why we're doing you sort of time it to what you're doing and you cut multiple reference clips sometimes we'll have six or eight reference clips that are popping on and off on the screen while we're animating and we're borrowing bits and pieces of things to sort of put it all together but it's understanding the anatomy of what you're animating mm-hmm understanding the anatomy of what you're drawing from and then how you can sort of merge those things together yeah sort of create the the performance that you're trying to create because there is a misconception that you have to be this classically trained illustrator and you know i mean i used to i, I did art classes years ago and you i'd be in awe of life drawing skills and anatomy and, and the understanding of form but actually that doesn't have to translate into on paper necessarily I mean, it's about that inner understanding right that innate understanding of, of movement that's exactly what yeah. it is like you don't have to you don't have to be like a fantastic illustrator yeah. fantastic fine artist or, or a brilliant sculptor like mm. it's not it's not necessary to work in this industry if you you know if you want to be an effects artist or a compositor or a lighter um, or you want to work in layout or, or animation mm. there's, there's a lot of different avenues and things that you can do but every one of those disciplines require an understanding of what it is that you're trying to replicate and that's and that's ultimately in visual effects especially what we're trying to do is replicate reality yeah. or create these fantasy worlds that feel like real places mm. so we might not you know like when we were when i was working on avatar back in the day at weta um we were trying to create pandora but we wanted pandora to feel like a real place we wanted mm. people when they were watching it to feel like they could go there yeah. and 
and the best way to do this is to look at real places. Like yeah. you look at real places and you borrow. There's these crazy tall pillar, crazy tall pillar mountains in China that I, I forget the name of them now, but that was references for the floating mountains in oh, Avatar. Right. Nice. And that's what Cameron like. That was his big reference for that. And so we heavily referenced that when we were looking at it and when we were building it and designing how the vines would hang off of the rocks and and all that stuff helps to you know having that real world reference helps to create these fantasy worlds and the same thing with having real world reference of animals helps to create these fantasy creatures that we see on screen yeah and that's lovely isn't it i mean i I really like the idea of kind of creating these characters that don't exist i mean the whole concept of recreating dinosaurs you know we've never come across them exactly and but you've got these kind of equivalents that exist and then then bringing the kind of character of those dinosaurs to life particularly the i'm going to get the name of the the dinosaur wrong but the indoraptor the the indoraptor yeah but you talk about him. him. Was it him or was it a she? Yeah, it was a him. Yeah, it was a him. Being yeah. this, the villain of the piece, being completely remorseless, and actually yeah. how you how you you get into that. So it's almost partly about all the stuff we've been talking about about motion and movement, mm-hmm. but also character and personality. Exactly, and that and that's a you know back to the observation. It's the same thing. It's like observation, observing these character traits. Like we wanted Indoraptor to feel like this psychotic dinosaur. We wanted this just void of empathy. Mm-hmm takes pleasure in killing humans that that he was basically tortured by. He was built in a lab, kept isolated, you know, cattle prodded by mercenaries and scientists. It was just not treated well. So anyone is going to sort of have, yeah, exactly. And so it's understanding the character, understanding those character traits. And then we would go online and we would just look for reference. We looked at reference clips of... And sometimes you go to sort of a bit of a dark place, like I looked at video reference of abused animals. Yeah, yeah. And that stuff is it's hard to watch, like yeah. dogs that have been abused that were in shelters. So you're looking at stuff to sort of see, like, okay, what can you draw from that? And when mm. these abused animals are aggressive towards people, how do they behave towards yeah. people yeah. When, when people will get close to them? And wow. then you sort of pull those character traits, and it's like, okay, I see what's going on there. How can I get that to read the same way in this character? Yeah. So it's a lot of just, it's just drawing from life, it's observing from life and, yeah. and understanding what it is you're trying to do. So understanding how something moves, understanding how something thinks yeah. and understanding yeah. what's going on internally in its head. So you put something in there. Like it's one thing if you want a dinosaur that's just grazing, that feels like a cow eating grass. <laughs> so another thing if you want something to feel like it's thinking and you want audiences when, the, when they're looking at it to sort of feel that thought process internally. And it's, that's tricky. That's the stuff that's the hardest to sort of get across. It's not... You know, it boils down to how something is moving, obviously, because that's what you're seeing on screen. But there's so many little things that that when we're watching it as an audience makes you feel a certain way about what you're seeing. And, yeah. and it's tricky. It's hard. And it takes time to learn. It takes time to learn that. But, but if it's something that you want to do and you're passionate about doing it, um, yeah. you just stick with it and you yeah. keep working keep on it. You keep trying yeah. and and you're going to get there. Like it just it just takes time. You got to got to put the work in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I had a life drawing teacher and. Uh, university that gave me like a good bit of advice that I sort of kept with me. He said that everyone has a thousand bad drawings in them <laughs> and you've got to get through those thousand bad drawings before you start getting to the good drawings. Yeah. And, and that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Like you yeah, just gotta, exactly. You yeah. just gotta keep, you gotta keep going. You can't be, you can't be, uh, you know, put off by it or, or frustrated by it and give it up. You just gotta get through those thousand bad drawings. Nice. So final kind of, it's not really a question, it's more of a kind of comment really, is uh, I loved your point around um, inspiration from films like Nosferatu and Frankenstein. Um, do you think there's something in, uh, if, if, if I'm thinking in terms of advice for people listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. is, is there something about being like culturally and visually literate? So really, you know, understanding not just 
the current glut of movies and Avengers films and Jurassic World movies, but really understanding the craft of cinema going back to you know Nosferatu, which is yeah. probably the first vampire movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is there something about really immersing yourself in the history of cinema. It, it's not going to hurt. Like the bigger your the bigger your sphere of um, experience is, the more that, the more that you've taken in, the more you're going to have to draw from. Yeah. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't limit yourself by just watching the movies that are out now. Like I would go back. Like there's lists online of like you know Spielberg's hundred films that you have to watch, you know, that have ever been made, and and going back and watching, you know, those classic Spielberg films like Close Encounters totally, yeah. uh, or E.T. Like going back and watching these movies, and then and then seeing what you can draw from those yeah. and, and what you're doing, whether you know whether you're a lighter and you're looking at like the fantastic use of light that Spielberg has in his films, or you're an animator and you're looking at the old, you know, uh, uh, Ray Harryhausen stop motion, yeah. you know, uh, Clash of the Titans or Sinbad. Yeah, yeah. you know, you, it's all those things are going to help you. All those things are going to feed into, you know, who you are as an artist. Yeah, and you want to really just kind of feed yourself as much of that stuff as you can. Amazing. Well, Jan, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out. I know you're being, you know, swamped with lots of questions from our attendees today. So thanks for coming to the VFX Festival as well, man. No worries. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. Awesome. I'm here with St. John Walker from Norwich University of the Arts. He's uh, the VFX course lead, is that fair to say? That's very good. Excellent, right, second time lucky. Um, So we're here at the VFX Festival, EDU officially, um, and we've almost got through day one, and we're here at the uh, the Access VFX speed networking event as part of the festival. So I wanted to pin you down, St., and try and get a few nuggets of kind of advice uh, that you may want to give our listenership around getting into this kind of crazy madcap industry that is visual effects animation games so what would be you know let's say you're you were starting out in this industry but you're much younger and getting stuck into this kind of world you know what would be your initial advice you'd want to give our listeners well it might sound strange but get making stuff because what tends to happen is people sort of uh, get too anxious about making something for a showreel just start making stuff get into the habit of making stuff get really excited about making stuff then get criticism on it get used to getting criticism get used to constructive criticism and also giving criticism and then just get that work better and better you'll never do anything first time right so just get into the habit of making stuff get get happy with making stuff and then get listening to what other people say about it that's the best route to get into the industry eventually so no matter how young you are you know or where you are on your course or whatever just start making stuff and don't be hooked on showreels at that stage once you've done that a number of times you'll get great stuff for your showreel but don't get sort of hooked on the showreel I mean, there's a bit of a theme developing at the festival this year where a lot more people are talking about kind of soft skills. I mean, your point around receiving feedback, knowing when maybe your idea might not be the best idea in the room and then acting on that feedback as well. What can people be doing around honing those those softer skills that we, we use every day in our industry? Yeah, you've got to recognise that whether it's games, animation or VFX, it's all about teamwork in the end. And although you may have brilliant ideas... Nevertheless, you're going to have to eventually start working with other people. You may be in a situation where they're working on your idea or you may be working on other ideas, but get yourself into teams. There can be informal teams. Get used to the idea of collaborating because, once again, you know, we're very used in this world, in this, in this kind of 
in the education system particularly, that people just want to work on their own ideas. But you can't do that anymore. The software is too complex. The kind of things that you want to do are, are too complex. So get working in teams. And that's a great thing to do with your mates. You can do it outside. You don't have to do it on a course. You can do it outside now. We all have access to the technology in some way. Free software you mentioned. Uh, but also, you know, uh, our phones have all that stuff on them. So get into teams. Excellent. So um, if, we are, if we were to talk about software yeah, and the free software that's available, so let's say you've nailed all, no, nobody's ever, nobody ever truly nails all the soft skills. I mean, I'm still learning to this day. Um, or communication skills. Yeah. I don't like the term yeah. soft skills. It kind of devalues it. Yeah. But, you know, what would you recommend people get stuck into in terms of maybe trying a piece of free software out? Or they're just starting to think about maybe becoming an animator. They might have some creative leanings. I mean, what, what would you recommend as, as VFX course lead? Yeah, well, you know what? Um, weirdly enough, there's some free VFX software called HitFilm, which uh, we like. And I'm not just saying that because they're based in Norwich, where we are. But uh, um, there's, there's lots of stuff out there. There's HitFilm. And in fact, Screen Skills have done a uh, free software kind of list, which I've got in front of me here because wow, I picked it up. So there's a software guide. So if you look on the Screen Skills site, you'll probably find a list of free software uh, anyway. But get hold of some free software, try it out. Don't worry, you know, people tend to think, oh, I've got to know the latest and greatest yeah. uh, and therefore get an expensive license. You don't have to at all because at the start of things, you just have to learn how to do it yeah. and apply that. So uh, HitFilm is something I recommend. I'm going to look at the list now and see in terms of uh, what else. There's Natron as well, of course, which is kind of like a compositing software. Uh, you can get hold of free licenses uh, of, of Nuke, but I wouldn't suggest that for, yeah. for a start. Nuke I'll will keep... come your way eventually, right? Exactly. It's inescapable. But also, you know, look at video editing software as well. Uh, I'm looking at the animation now. Uh, Pixar in a box is something useful to look at. That's not, uh, that's a sort of advice, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's Synfig which I don't know. It's a vector-based 2D animation suite. So wow. there is stuff out there. Uh, but again, look on the uh, Screen Skills website for more detail of that okay. and get started. Get making stuff. Get making stuff. Final parting words. Get making stuff. <laughs> nice one, saying. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time. All right, I'm here with uh, Kieran Jordan from The Mill. 3D artist? That's current yeah, job title? That's my, that's my job title. Wicked. So uh, you've been here as part of the Access VFX speed networking and uh, we've just had to get a glass of water because you've been constantly chatting to people. But I wanted to grab you before you headed off just to kind of, I don't know, get stuck into a bit of broad careers advice, what people should be thinking about. You know, a lot of our listeners are trying to break into the industry or currently in the industry and trying to secure that kind of entry-level role. I mean, what would be your kind of, you know, your, your core piece of advice that you'd give somebody trying to break in? Yeah, when I, when I was leaving university, the strongest uh, or most valuable thing that I got involved in was uh, talking to people on LinkedIn, um, because a lot of the time the recruiters, are well, they, they, they will connect with anyone that's interested in getting a job. So if you're on LinkedIn and you're constantly, uh, you're, yeah, you, just const you have a constant presence on there, then the recruiters will always see that every time they open LinkedIn, if the more you uh, the more you post the more they're going to see you and you should never be shy to actually reach out to them and say 
because a lot of the time there'll be job descriptions of what people are roughly looking for but if you message them and ask them directly you're more likely to get an updated version okay. of what they're looking for currently yeah um because it is uh, often seen as quite a daunting social network. I mean, you're, you're talking about social networking almost as a, as a physical networking tool. It's about being, having a presence, you know, being a bit of a face, but kind of virtually, right? But on, on yeah. that platform. Yeah, so, um, yeah, for me as well, it's, it's, not, it's not just about recruiters, but it's also connecting with anyone that you meet at networking events, and, which are also equally as valuable because then you put a name to your face. And the more you meet up, or not meet up with that person, but the more you interact with that person, the more they're going to remember you when your name comes through the door on an email or on a LinkedIn message. And uh, the more you do badger people, the more you're going to stay in their minds. Um, So it's like a balance between... um, kind of the, the battle of the word badgering but you know connecting and messaging kind of whether it be recruiters or even like other artists or being curious about kind of work but also you I know mean, i've found on linkedin all the studios are posting so many behind the scene sorry behind the scenes videos so many kind of like teasers you know stuff they've worked on there's loads of people posting their kind of passion projects or it might be a, a little tutorial in terms of modeling i mean is, is it about badgering and, and direct message but also just showing an interest in the work that's being put out there on LinkedIn yeah so it's a, it's a great way of actually seeing what each studio does because one of the first places they will post it is LinkedIn because they want to recruit more people yeah. and the best way for them to recruit those people is to show off their best work yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. come out like uh, so like companies like NPC Lion King's just come out and it's all over LinkedIn. You'll see all these other artists as well. Like they're posting, oh, I've just worked on this fantastic film at NPC. And it's like, yeah. so it's, it's a big thing for companies to get out the work to other people. Mm. Um, and it's a good way for you to, to decide whether that's what you're interested in. Yeah. And if that is what you're interested in, then you go can for go for it. it. Yeah. And I'll do these, not sly, but like, yeah. they'll, they'll do these things that hint at a sequel to something that you might be interested in. So you get like Spider-Man uh, as the background to one of their recruiting pro, uh, yeah, uh, posts. Yeah, 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 so that's when you, people know there's going to be another Spider-Man. I'm going to start applying to this company. Nice. Excellent. I mean, is that how you got your job at the mill? Was it, did it start with LinkedIn or was it more kind of your kind of education route? Um, it, was, it was sort of through education, but it was... Uh, I met someone that had graduated from my university before I'd even started and then I just asked if I could stay in touch with him on LinkedIn and then I was asking him if he was able to give me any feedback on my work and he was very happy to do that and then eventually when I had my showreel I sent it to him and he forwarded it to people at the mill and the rest is history yeah I didn't even I didn't even have to um, apply for a job because he obviously thought that my work was at the, the right standard yeah. to uh, forward it on to the right people. Yeah. And then they sent me an email. And then, yeah, Brilliant. here I am. <laughs> it's, it's great advice. I mean, we rarely, um, I mean, uh, having these conversations at the festival um, today, and, and I will be, I'll be doing the same tomorrow, there's been lots of conversations around all the soft skills and the kind of the interactions, but it's really refreshing to hear somebody actually say, look, LinkedIn's where it's at. Because as you say, you know, all of the talent managers, all the talent teams, all the recruiters have a strong presence. And a lot of the time, that's where they, I know from experience, that's where they find their talent. That's where they, you know, people post their reels and they're, they're, they're pretty active, right? 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so all the people that I'm connected to, whether they're students or mm. professional people, they will post their show, their show reel there. Mm. If I like that, then it says on someone else's profile that I've liked that yeah. animation or that show reel. And then eventually, down the line, that's going to appear on someone so else's page and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. But at the same time, it's also you want to make sure you're not putting any work on there that you're not happy with because <laughs> yeah. if that does the same thing, then someone will be like, oh, that's not up yeah. to standards. And then you'll be yeah. recognised under your name for that. So yeah. it's, it, I'd say it's better to try and get feedback on your work before yeah. posting it publicly. Absolutely, that's um, good advice. Yeah, so... You can do all the trial and error behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting yeah. stuff out there for the wider world. Yeah, so a lot of uh, a lot of artists will be kind enough to let you connect and and uh, give you a little bit of feedback on your work if, or, or on your reel, um, even if it's just something like telling you to cut it down and make yeah. it a bit more short and snappy. Um, and that's the the best thing to do before putting it out in, into the open. Yeah, that's dangerous, man. <laughs> Well, Kira, pleasure. So your core advice is get stuck into LinkedIn and be active, engage, yeah. and see where it goes, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, like I said, try and connect with artists as well because they're the ones who are going to try and yeah. help give you that, that fresh piece of... Uh, or those, those fresh eyes on your work. That, yeah, they're doing it. Right? Uh, and because they're, yeah, they're professionals, so their knowledge is going to be more valuable than, yeah. you know just your, your friends and your family yeah so just don't focus yeah absolutely and just don't just focus on recruiters and talent managers right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you want directors out there there's three yeah artists. yeah so it's, it's just a good idea to try and network with the whole industry yeah yeah excellent thank you karen thank you appreciate it <laughs> There we go. End of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening. And until next time, bye.